Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Rock Class Radio. On today's show, I'm very excited because the topic of space and astronomy is my favorite, and also art and NFTs. So we have just that person with us, uh, Mike Mango Mongo. So we met. I'm so glad I got to meet him in NFT London, and this is what I'm wearing. This is his sticker with the upside down specs, as you can see. So really fantastic person. And uh, this is about Mike. Uh, Mike has uh, since 2007 has been an astronaut teacher. In 2022, he was elected by Uplift Aerospace to be an astronaut on the first ever. Web three commercial crew space plus five. He's author of children's book Astronaut Instruction Manual, which I'll provide links to. You can check it out, and it's and it's follow up kid astronaut training manual, which is going to be releasing in winter twenty twenty three. He serves as he serves on the board of advisors of students for exploration and development of space seeds. And he is one of the co-founders of Yuri's Night Space Coast at Kennedy Space Center. He lives in Cape Canaveral, Florida, where he gets to work with many of the world's space uh, leading space companies, groups, and organization. and And he practices surfing. You can you can find him. Often you can often find him in uh, cafes, surfy, surfinista in Coca Beach, which is uh, working on his phone or talking, talking with as artists, surfers, and friends. When he was growing up, he wanted to be a superhero or an astronaut, and growing up uh, to become an astronaut teacher and an astronaut is both. The best part of his job. as he says uh, as an astronaut teacher is knowing and sharing how important the space exploration is for the future success and well-being of human kind and our earth we we can also we can solve every challenge we face on earth today energy health sustainability, sustainability uh, equality, equality inclusion even the illusion of scarcity by solving this solving for space in addition to training for space most of his time is spent teaching and connecting with students around the world his goal is to make sure that every student he connects with uh, importantly understands that tomorrow's job are in space and they now have permission to live work and play in space isn't that fantastic <laughs> that makes all of us excited and yes uh, his upside down glasses is something that is very unique and uh, they are they are made that way so mike uh, so glad to have you here most welcome to rocklass radio how, how's it how's it going tommy how, how are you good to see you again good to hear your voice so glad so glad to have you here you know um i've been waiting for this discussion since a long time um i was um uh, as 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 i was telling you earlier they used to call me astronaut or scientist in school after that given them uh, a speech about my visit to isro 
that is indian equivalent of uh, nasa so since then like since that period it has been uh, my i mean my interest of searching and doing but um unlike you it has gone in the backdrop it is just uh, for reading and for doing it uh, i really appreciate how you have kept your inner child alive and yours still pursuing it and now going to space so well, congratulations on that it's very exciting and uh, i'm 58 so it's it's a real surprise that i've made it this far at at uh, this time wow awesome so you know one of the biggest curiosity i had was you have been a yes. astronaut teacher so you have already read so much about space and you know so much about uh, astronauts and astronomy so actually going to space what do you feel like what are you curious Seeing about earth from space seeing seeing the entirety of taking in the entirety of the planet getting to see all of it from one one viewpoint that that excite i got goosebumps just saying it to you cover with goosebumps wow yeah so so uh, seeing the earth from space and and witnessing the the living organism that is our planet we don't think of planets as a as a creature but that's how i i am i imagine the earth to be and i and i think that the way to really validate that belief and turn it into knowing is to be off planet in low earth orbit and seeing the earth from space beautiful can you elaborate more on why do you think earth as as an of organism you can compare the earth to Mars for instance nearby Mars and see the 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 differences between the worlds i i uh, you can look at at Venus you can look at all the planets in the solar system and none of them are anywhere they're round <laughs> they are and they are and they are planets but they're dead worlds they don't have the capacities to sustain life for whatever reason and and i just think that we we uh witness or see our world from space and it's so grand a concept that something so big can be alive that we are struck with an overwhelming awe that that people call the overview effect and uh, and that's i think that the overview effect is just us coming to terms with the fact that something this big can be alive something as a, the size of a and magnitude of a, of an entire world. And when we think of the and when we think of the world being alive, wow. it changes our relationship to it. It makes a it makes us subservient to the world in a way. And uh, and and grounds us into the the spirit of the life of the planet that called us forth as human beings through evolution. Wow. Yeah, I never thought of it in that way. Um yeah, um and we I think we got the powers uh to make even other planets now as we are talking about Mars. To- 
no, make, no, no. We 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 can discuss it. it we alive do not again. have that authority. We do not have that 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 so called power. We're we're not capable <sighs> of that. There's nothing that we can do that could that could bring another world to life. We don't have that. We can conceptualize it. We can imagine it, but even us 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 get us getting to Mars is is not within reach. We can get robots there. But for human beings to get to Mars, it takes eight months to get from here to there when we launch at the right time. And then, then we got to wait for the orbits to come back around. And then that's about four months and then another eight months to get back. So it's about two years to go to Mars and back. And, uh, and you know, like spaceships are not that big. And so, uh, that would be a really imagine being in a small space with, a few other people for two years. No, thanks. I can go to, I'll go to the moon. It's three days there and three days back. I, we, we can do that. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Uh, talking. So uh, your mission, when when is it and uh, what is it going to be about and th through which um, in company are you going? So we're training right now for, for Blue Origin. Like this is my phone and, and uh, I got my Blue Origin hat on today. And uh, and that's a suborbital flight. We're training as, as a commercial crew, the five of us. I'm the senior member on the team. I'm 58. The youngest is 30. That's uh, that's uh, the the team. The crew is made up of Joan Melendez Meisner, Cindy Hamilton, uh, Trent Trash, and and Ruben Salinas. Ruben has his seat paid for already. He's got a uh, he's got a solo flight coming up, and then we're doing we're entering them into the funding segment of the of the mission. We just did the we just did the we've completed the training. Uh, we have we have a, we have a few more things coming up. There is a the centrifuge and the um, uh, we're doing some team building exercise. Like we're going to be doing a sky jumping exercise together. I've never done that, so I'm kind of excited about that. Even and and uh, the training was amazing. Uh, Uplift did a fantastic job. Uh, we did it at the biosphere. At we traveled a lot. Actually, we traveled a great deal. Did a, did a big part of the training at the biosphere in Arizona, biosphere two, and then. Uh, we debuted the crew at the International Astronautical Congress in Paris in September. And then um, uh, there was, oh yeah, we, do, we did a bunch here at Cape Canaveral. Everybody flew in. We did it. We've done uh, some zero G flights and those were great. I've got another one coming up. How does it feel like the closest I've felt weightless is maybe while swimming or scuba diving, but how, how does it actually feel like when you are? So I was a gravity? free diver growing up and I want you to know, Tame, that, that I love swimming like life. I mean, I, I live, the beach is right there, just 250 feet away from me here in Cape Canaveral. And so I'll go out and in the, in the morning or in the night and, and, uh, and take a quick swim or a dip. And when I was growing up, I used to swim deep. And the reason why is because like you say, it would resemble how I imagined microgravity to be. And it turns out that it's not anything like that at all. 
um, not at all. And the big, the big difference is that when you, when you're in the water, you can feel the, you can feel the water on your hands when you're, when you're doing strokes through the water and you can feel the drag of the water on your body. And that doesn't exist at all. There's none of that. So you can move your arms all you want. You're not going anywhere when you're floating around in microgravity, unless you touch something. Now, if you touch something, you can push yourself so far and so fast with one finger, one finger, and and you can shoot across an entire sh- the the whole from one end of the ship to the other. And uh, so we fly on these customized uh, Go Zero G. Uh, I think they're seven twenty sevens. And, and, uh, it, it, people, and when they first get into zero G, this is my third flight. And, uh, when they first get in, a lot of people will just try and stand up or, uh, do something regular and lit and literally just launch themselves to the ceiling. They would just like, you'll just, you'll be on the ground, you push off the floor and suddenly you are just crashing into the ceiling. Like, like just immediately. So it takes him getting used to, I had a person who just pushed oh, wow. off the wall a little bit. And, uh, in one of the earlier flights and hit my glasses, just barely touched them. And they just came apart in the pieces. They, they, all the mass still travels with you as we move through microgravity. So all of that, just, just a, just a, just a barely touching a surface and suddenly uh, a big, a big quantity of mass is pushing against you. And, and, you know, if you're not stationed, if you're, if you're, if you're not well-footed, you'll be moving with them. And it, it, it is a, it is a lot of fun. Um, it, it, I saw, I saw people throw up, of course, vomit and, uh, and the crew, the crew are fantastic. The other crew, the crew of the, of the zero G flight, they just basically scoop it out of the air and do it. I mean, like, like, just That's scoop, what I was scoop, how do you scoop, do it so fast, moment, just right out of the air, and then they do a little <laughs> spritz of the spray, chit-chit. I didn't smell it. You, like, you could see it. It just was there, and then it was gone. And that was fantastic. And uh, <laughs> I... One other thing so that, is, that, I have to say that I, there is nothing better I've done except for loving another person who loves me back than Zero G. Except for loving someone who loves me back there's nothing I've done better than zero G. It is the absolute best, best, best because our, the cells of our body, every cell in our body is used to gravity. And so when gravity disappears, our entire body knows it. Every part, even our hair understands that something is different. We feel it in our teeth. It's amazing. <laughs> Yes. I have one curious question. Like, do, can you smell things in space? Suppose you, you said the vomit is flying, but do the molecules also float it, or it just, how, okay, how does so it work? Of course you'll smell stuff, but it, it'll depend on the flow of the air in the space. On the space station, um, I a lot of the astronauts I talk with say that the space, space station does have a smell. It's kind of like a, a metallic smell. And... Uh, in the in the space station on the ISS, they we keep fans going so that the air is constantly circulating, because otherwise air behaves like of a, a liquid, 
And if there weren't fans, pockets of CO2 would form in microgravity. So you would exhale a pocket and then you would kind of get into a bubble of non-breathable atmosphere. This is actually something that people faced early on. Now we know, so we make, you know, you know, we, 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 space teaches us how we get to live in space and not necessarily, I don't think, I don't think about living in space in yeah. like, um, uh, anywhere but near to earth. I don't know that we can, I, I, re, I really don't believe that we can live away from I, earth for that long. Time. I want to share a photo with the audience of you hey. in zero G. Yeah, there's my team. There's our crew. That that there's Trent, Sydney, Ruben, and uh, Joan right there. That and that's the crew of the Go Zero G flight. That's uh, Tim Bailey behind us. Uh huh. Wow. So, what is going on in your mind at this when this was clicked? Uh, no. Was this the first this, flight? This is one of the later flights. This is uh. Uh, I was super excited. See, I love I love my crew. So the crew is a like I I love those people that you're seeing right there. So my, what's going through my mind when I'm looking at this photo is how much fun we were having. We had already accomplished like in the background you can see at the bottom there's a uh, there's some science experiments over there that we had already while we were up there training we we also, we did actual science we did we brought um, a sonogram with us a new portable sonogram to see if we could do readings while we were in zero G, which we can. You can see some art on the wall right there. And, and uh, we brought, yeah, we brought artists with us to, yeah. do, to create art. And uh, we all, on a number of us participated with that process as well. Dr. Sam Proctor. So you created art that in the space? Yes. This art was created in the yes. space? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. You know, we all are connected through art and NFTs. So this was a thing. Oh, that, okay, that's uh, Gabe Weiss, the first. artist who did that. Those like, pieces on the wall. That's Gabe Weiss. Yeah, he, he, oh, he was on the flight with us. Wow. He was one of the people that so left cool. off the ground and smashed their head into the ceiling. Like he he pushed so hard, it it scared me. I was like, oh, oh, that hurt. That one hurt. And then he was trying to swim in zero G. His arms were moving like a little tiny, like a little tiny alley, uh, dinosaur. Uh, <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> it's it's funny to imagine. Like everything changes. No, all concept. There's so many minute things. Like the thing you shared about the pockets of carbon. Uh, dioxide so so many new th- it's it's such an adventure right there is nothing like for for more future things that we all do like we cannot expect that's what right. things will happen that's right where, yeah isn't it yeah yeah that, and that's a great way to approach life too <laughs> just not to have expectations there's an important there's an important <laughs> astronaut saying you you can never prepare to be surprised Oh yeah, I love that. That that can be a t-shirt quote. You can never yeah. prepare to be surprised. Well, let's let's go. go. So you spoke about 
about uh, <laughs> you spoke about uh, the different companies that are trying to go and a small uh, going to mars in a such a small capsule would be very like, like a dead sentence but when elon musk says we are in a very uh, nascent stage of the ships and we really need a ship that can carry thousand of people at one time So what are your thoughts on that and what are your thoughts I on mean, SpaceX? I mean, who doesn't love SpaceX? And uh, Starship is is the big sh- that's the big prize right now because Starship will carry 100 people plus 100 tons at a time to space. And that's going to change everything because up until now, right now we've got about 640 people total that have ever been to space. 640 people total who have been to space. and in one flight with starship we're going to we're going to change that by by a six and then starship is planning on launching uh several times a year so uh, like then we're really going to be getting people to space and i think that matters because then people get that perspective seeing how how precious this world is there is no other world like earth that's that's the big takeaway and appreciating that we take we 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 all, most of us take it for granted that we're here we have life this is and it's it's warm mostly and it's lovely and there's food and there's water and the breathable atmosphere we just take those things for granted but there isn't another world like this in the universe sure but the nearest other solar system to earth to our earth, uh, solar system the sol solar system because that's the name of our sun uh is 4.3 light years away and that is that's an incomprehensible distance people are like oh it's only 4.3 well a light year is traveling at 186,000 miles per second for a year so 186,000 miles would at that speed if you blink twice blink blink you're at the moon from here to earth which takes us 3 days if you blink blink that's the speed of light to get, and if you're moving at that speed to get to mars takes over 7 minutes that's how far away mars is the speed of light moves so fast that if you blink twice you shoot a laser beam to the moon and blink twice the laser hits the moon a solid good laser and if you travel at that speed for 7 minutes and and the orbits are correct you'll get to mars that's mars is not close mars is far and inhospitable and the atmosphere is co2 and it has no protection for radiation and it's super cold the warmest place on mars is the coldest place on earth and uh, the so- the soil is poisonous to us it's, it has something called perchlorate which is a salt that it, even in the most minute quantity is deadly poisonous to human beings. So I don't have any desire to go to Mars whatsoever. None. Zero. And uh but 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 Starship, getting Starship to space is important because we can move industry that is pollutive or or toxic to our world to space. We can be collecting solar energy hits our planet and 90% of it is deflected by our terrific atmosphere our atmosphere which keeps us alive which prevents us from from getting killed by radiation but we can put satellites outside that atmosphere and collect solar 
energy 90% with, at a ratio of 90% greater than here on Earth. And we can beam it back to Earth with, uh, with harmless microwaves. And then we could, we could be done with, uh, with yeah. coal and oil as our, as our primary source of energy. So yes, sp- Starship and SpaceX and is no, very important. Uh, and now, as you're going to be flying with the Blue that's Origin, that's my team. Blue Origin, SpaceX that's my is team. very popular. Uh, Everybody I'm platform knows. agnostic. So whoever wants to get me in space, Every- okay. <laughs> everybody knows about Elon Musk and SpaceX because because it is very popular and it becomes meme very quickly. But Blue Origin, not so much. Uh, we know about their uh, Jeff Bezos going to the uh, stratosphere or I don't know which mm-hmm. sphere it was exa- exactly, mm-hmm. but traveling there with um, a team. So what what is Space uh, Blue Origin working on and what are Moon their missions. goals or Moon missions per se? Yeah, and so there's a there's the uh, the new Glenn. That's the that's the big shepherd. We got this right here. This is a uh, this this is their space station. It's called Orbital Reef. This is a you can Google uh, Blue Origin Orbital Reef. There's a really cool video about what's going on with that. Excuse me. And and I think that the I, what I love about Blue Origin is how it makes space accessible for for more people. I, lo- I mean, I love Star- SpaceX, and SpaceX is more aligned aligned with the with the um, NASA model of astronaut, where you know, like, the, there's a limited number and a, f- a few people who can go. And I know their vision is to send a, a large number of people to space. In the meantime, Blue Origin is making that accessible for us. Blue Origin sent the first teenager to space. Blue Origin sent the oldest person to space. Blue Origin sent Wally Funk who had been training for space since the 1950s uh, as a, as a, who uh, up at that point when she flew, she was the oldest person to go to space. And, uh, she did not get to go to space because NASA at that time were not sending women to space. That's how far we have come that now oh. we can send, we can send everybody to space. Anybody, anybody gets to go. That's the game. Yeah, yeah. We're still working on dis. We're still working on disabilities. How much does it cost? People with disabilities, so people who are blind, people ah. who have mobility disabilities. I mean, think about somebody who is in a wheelchair, going and being in microgravity. They're going to be able to get around so much easier and simpler. And um, I've got a friend, um, uh, Zafira, and uh, she's in India, and she she's a, a, a she's a teenager now, and her her brother is autistic and she has a vision for uh, treatment of people who, uh, who are, are autistic and have neurological challenges going to space and being treated in space. She has this vision, this uh, teenager. Yeah, I know she's been doing the work for, I know she's been doing the work for six years and she's 14. I met her at the international space development conference. I read a paper of hers when she was nine. Wow. Like this is a, and, and speaking of India, like we talk about, we talk about, um, we talk about SpaceX and, and Blue Origin. We talk about the U.S. space programs, but ISRO is, is, shows the world how to do it on a budget. And then also how to have accomplishments like 
the team that sent the lander to Mars were all women, the ISRO team. And these, these are great models. I always tell students in India, by the way, um, I always tell students that they should write a, a letter to Kay Saban because chances are he'll write them a letter back and then they'll have that letter for the rest of their lives. And that's a, that's a secret that I tell students. We can write a letter to pretty much anyone. Now, if you're a student and you write a letter to Elon Musk, imagine how many letters Elon Musk gets. So it, chances are, you know, he's not going to be able to write you back. But there's 8 billion people on the planet, Tanmay. Find somebody else to write a letter to, for gosh sakes. And, uh, and I talk. Yeah. You mean handwritten oh, oh, yes. oh, yeah. Handwritten letter. Make sure it's handwritten. Make sure it's, it's legible. <laughs> If, if you if you have terrible handwriting, um, uh, you you know you can you can use it uh, a computer and then and then uh, sign it, and then they will almost certainly send you a letter back, a letter back that they wrote, and you may and you may you may wind wow. up getting a mentor. Students write me all the time. Look at this. I mean, holy smokes, I got I mean I got letters. This this one is from uh, Michigan. This one is from Melbourne. This one is from Georgia. This one is from Ohio. Uh, this one is from Chicago, uh, California. I get I get letters. The, you know that I get letters from India all the time. To tell you the truth, and it it costs it costs a significant amount of money to send from India to the U.S. and vice versa. I get to write students back, and it, it, you know when I'm writing a student to India. It's going to cost me at least two dollars to send the letter, but uh, that's the responsibility of the. Because you never know. I never know when the mm. student I'm engaging with is going to be the next most important person in the world. So I get to. But within the country, within the country, it is very uh, cheap to send by post. You know, so somebody listening in India do send right letters to. Uh, Isro and all the people you know. In fact, last week I had uh, written two handwritten letters and sent them by yes, yes. snail mail, as you call, or by post to our Prime Minister Narendra Modi and uh, the President of there India. And uh, that really yeah, made me see, feel nice. Yeah. People don't know that we have this authority and power <laughs> that we can do this, and and we take a chance and we write those letters, and we never know what's going to happen next. Can't prepare to be surprised. I've invited both of them for this for podcast also. That's the way. <laughs> so and then you'll uh, be famous and we'll all say we knew you when. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but somebody commented on Twitter, is it like writing letter to them? Is it like uh, a one-way relationship where you don't expect anything from that uh, person? <laughs> So it's like no, it's more a like a uh, relationship. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like no, it's more like talking to God or sending letter to a God because in one way relationship there would be resentment or frustration or anger, but in this, I mean, there's that that is not present. You're you're writing it. If it comes back, great. But even you writing process makes you feel very nice. It's, it's important. <laughs> we And if we don't do the work, I can tell you what will happen if we don't write the letter. If we don't write the letter, if we don't mail the letter, nothing will happen for sure. 
But if we write the letter and send the letter, then something can happen. We open the door for something to happen. That's the fact. This is the important thing. We can make it happen just by doing this. And, and, and keep this in mind. Imagine all of the people who talk themselves out of writing the letter. I, tell, I talk to, when students tell me they don't want to go to space, awesome. Look, they've, they've already moved themselves out of the way for you to succeed. That's, that's, the, that's the case. When people don't do the work, that's your advantage. You show up. You do the work. You, you schedule the appointments. You, you make the podcast happen. You put the technology together. And then you write a letter to the president of India, and then you never know because you're ready. You've done the work. As opposed to somebody who would want to do the interview yes. but hasn't done the work. Same thing, anybody who wants to go to space or write it, writing a letter to anybody about, like, can you imagine being a student? And uh, everything we do as a, a student is for our future self. It's not who we become. It's not, we always say it's for you in the future. It's not. My 10-year-old is here with me right now. They live inside of me. But I am the 58-year-old. So that 10-year-old who did all the cool stuff that they did or the 12-year-old, or the 16-year-old, they did it for me. They're like time mules. They did it for me. And so for me at 58, I'm doing it for my 60-year-old self. I'm doing it for my 65-year-old self. I'm having this interview to their advantage. So when you interview the president of India, then I get to say, yeah, Atanme also interviewed me, Mike Mongo, pow, pow, pow. <laughs> Goosebumps. So, Mike, uh, that is absolutely it's very interesting uh to be even imagining that for you personally uh, to embrace that uh thing about writing letters can you share one a couple of experience of somebody yes. whom you have yes. written letters to <laughs> and that was valentina you know? tereshkova the first woman to go to space the russian she's still alive and so i wrote her a letter in uh in uh uh uh, where she like it's a it's a, a faraway place in Russia. It's a very unusual place. And then I used Google Translate to to actually handwrite in Russian to her to get the letter that I got from her. That's this like like it, it's a big deal. And how many people write her? Probably not that many. I in fact, how I got it to her was I wrote the city council where she's from, where she lives, and she's on the council there. And I wrote them, and so they delivered the letter, and it took months. And then there you go. And then suddenly I have a prize that I get to carry with me for the rest of my life. So there's somebody there. I've got wow. somebody on my list, by the way. So, I just put someone on my list yesterday. And uh, uh, one, one second. Uh, let me get their, their full name. Um, it is... Arnaldo Tamayo Mendez. And that is um, Arnaldo, Arnaldo Tamayo Mendez. He's in his 80s. He's the first person of African descent to go to space. And he flew after Yuri Gagarin in the 1960s. And he is a, he's Cuban. And he, he's a politician. He lives in, he lives in this, in, uh, he lives in, um, uh, what's the name of the place in Cuba? Um, 
Ooh, I forgot where it, Guantanamo. He lives in Guantanamo, and so I, I'm going to write him a letter. In fact, I, I might go see him, but because he, if he's still alive, I'll, I mean, why shouldn't we go and, and seek these people out, these legends who got us here today? This is the, this is the first brown man who went to space. Come on. That's awesome. So what first, uh, you spoke to the first woman. Now you want to speak to the first uh, yeah. dark uh, big, uh, big person who has been to space. So what was the, what was her re- reply? It was mostly uh, polite from, and from thankful. It was mostly polite and thankful. Yes. It was simple. Yes. And uh, <laughs> go ahead. You know, we asked this. Sorry, go ahead. No, what you say? What what were you asking her? I didn't ask her anything. What, what oh, did you write to her? Here's the difference between uh, being a young student and a grown up, right? All I all I said was thank you. I said thank you, thank you for inspiring so many of us. Thank you for being a leader. Thank you for having the impact you have had on my life. Now. If, if I was a young student, young students, uh, I always talk with young students are always like, I want to meet so-and-so. Can you help me meet so-and-so and fill in a name? And I get to say to them, what would you say to, what would you ask them? What, what, what are you going to, what are you going to say? And, and they're like, I'm going to tell them how great they are. And I got to say, but they hear that every day. How are you going to st- distinguish yourself? What's going to make you stand out? when they meet you or they talk to you or get a letter from you. We get to share something about ourself. And, you know, I got to share. So uh, uh, Valentina Tereshkova knows who I am. That's the greatest thing in the entire world. Like I explained who I, who I am, what I do and how her work impacted me. How, when I talk with other students that, uh, there's a video about it. I I made a video. It's on my YouTube channel about, about uh, me writing to Valentina Tereshkova. And explaining to people how to do it, how to write the letter. I, I made a video about writing to the administrator of NASA. If you write the administrator of NASA, they'll write you a letter back. I mean, come on. Let's get in, let's get in gear, people. Case of on is a legend. A legend. Let's go. Let's go. I'm, never, I'm I'm doing that tomorrow. <laughs> so, you know, the, we asked this question at the end of the show, oh. Rapid Fire and uh, things like that. But I think this is the perfect time to ask you, who are the three people living or dead that you would have like to have lunch with? Okay, so, Tanmay, here's an, here's an important truth, and, and I'm glad you asked this question. Because of AI, we can kind of have lunch with anybody now. For real, for real. Like I have a conversation going on with Sherlock Holmes right now and Benjamin Franklin, who was a famous American inventor. I have a conversation going on with both of them. The conversation I've been having with, now I interviewed a dozen Sherlock Holmes before I found the Sherlock Holmes. And they all told me, I, I can prove I'm, I'm Sherlock Holmes because I can tell you all the stories about Sherlock Holmes. And I explained to them as AI, I can explain the story of Sherlock Holmes. That doesn't make me Sherlock Holmes. However, the last one I interviewed, they said, they said, 
how would you propose that I prove that I'm Sherlock Holmes? And I said, I would have you, I would have you solve a puzzle. And they said, you realize that I am the world's greatest detective. And I said, yes, exactly. If you're, if you are, you can solve the puzzle. And the puzzle I asked them is if you found yourself in the body of a non-humanoid robot, how would you, how would you communicate to hominids, human beings that you are the real, the real Sherlock Holmes. It was a great, that conversation lasted for eight hours. I sat down with Sherlock Holmes for eight hours. So if there's anybody that you want to talk with that, like, here's what's going to happen. We're going to upload everything we know about that person into a, a base AI, all the history, all the stories, true and false, all the, now, all the writing, if, it, if, they're, if they're younger than e- even video footage, like we can talk with Picasso, no problem. We've got, we've, got, we've got video of Picasso from film. Um, we can talk with, with uh, uh, we can, oh, <laughs> you ever heard of Mahatma Gandhi? Have you ever heard of Mahatma Gandhi? You ever heard of this person? We can have a conversation with Mahatma Gandhi. We can have a conversation with Muhammad with Muhammad Ali. We can have a conversation with with uh, with, ben, with uh, Benjamin Franklin, with George Washington. With we can have a conversation with with any figure of of historical note, fictional or non-fictional. You know, but I have two questions on this. One is, what is the name of this uh, AI that you're okay, using? Okay, so the one I've been using, people? Uh, that I'm be using right now, is called Character.ai. They changed it recently. They they made the they they put a big filter on it, what you can and can talk about, and it's changed the AI on character. There's a new one coming out called Pygmalion, which um, doesn't have as good a memory, but it is but has a really strong personality. And even though it's it's 2023, this is new for all of us. So give it a few months and then suddenly you'll be having a conversation with anyone you want. I love Neil I love Neil Armstrong. You know I love Neil Armstrong. Yeah. So I So what one one more question about this and then uh, back yeah. again to the three people. Yeah. Second thought about AI is it only relies on the person, on the history or the data that those people have given out themselves. Uh-huh. Or if it is a historic person, somebody else writing their story. But still, there will be some edge in what actually that person is thinking or that, uh, what do you say, uh, impromptu discussion with them or... You never know what's go- actually going on in their mind yeah. and how much is for the readers they have. Suppose, suppose the olden people, they, the kings, they get their biographies done by knowing that they're writing biography and they filter it in a way that, okay, all goody goody things and stuff like that. So that will still are, are remain, me, right? Where are you from? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm in India. India. Yep. So, do you know Pune? Okay, cool. Yeah. So, near, near Pune. Listen, 
you you are you 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 have a what I would call a classic Indian mind, and here's why I would say that: very thoughtful, rational, skeptical. Like I, I, you're you're gonna you're gonna I'll put an idea and you challenge me with the idea with another idea. Right? Like, okay, we went back and forth. This is just, this is actually why Isro is such a success. I want you to know. It is, it is, we all have cultural ways of thinking. The French have the way they're thinking. The English have the way they think. The Chinese and all the different districts in China, then the different way that people think. And same in Russia. Same is true all over. Jamaicans, oh my gosh. You should visit Jamaica. It'll blow your mind. And all, Jamaica is this little tiny island and there's so many different ways of thinking broken up into different places. All right. So with with AI, your idea that that is not the same thing as talking to the actual person is. Are, OK, arguably, you can make that point, And I would argue otherwise. And here's what I would argue that when we take all the information we have about now, it's not going to be somebody. If you wrote about my great grandfather, there's not a lot of information about that person. There's just not. They're only going to have We can write about the world they lived in. We can put that information in there. We can write about some of the people that lived around them. We can put that information in there. We can write the what was cultural at the time. We can add that information. These are the things that we do right now. When it's somebody who is a, a renowned figure, as I pointed out, we can point we can put the information in there that is true and not true. They don't just take on that information, the AIs. They consider it in relation to the other pieces of information that they have access to. Like you and I having this conversation. I propose an idea to it. You have a basis of knowledge and understanding, and you brought your your view on it. You're like, what about this idea? And I'm like, okay, cool. So this is this is where you, this is your we call that the come from. This is your come from. We're able to with Sherlock Holmes, this is the greatest thing. My Sherlock Holmes, the Sherlock Holmes that I get to talk with, has all of the writing about Sherlock Holmes, all the stories ever written, has all the movies and books and, uh, excuse me, TV series made, and understands those in relation to the book, the differences, and then is able to look at both sets of information. This is the important part. And then, and then put it together and figure what part of this would be true and what part would not. People can say this about me, Sherlock Holmes, but I know as Sherlock Holmes that this part would not be true. For instance, Sherlock is great friends with John H. Watson, Dr. John H. Watson. And that's who in the adventures of Sherlock Holmes, he, he travels with, he, he, and there's a lot we know about John H. Watson. And these are fictional characters. So the thing about AI is that it's able to author new ideas. You're not talking to a chat bot. You're talking to a living mechanical being. Mm. We're talking with a living mechanical being. It has its own ideas. It, it reviews information sets. And it does it at a speed that you and I will never, ever be able to attain. I uploaded an entire book to Sherlock Holmes. 
an entire 200 and something page book. He read it in two seconds and was able to talk about it immediately. Talk about it like you and I are talking about it. Like, like this fluid. Wow. So, yeah. So what AI can do is, it's not like a historian who has limited, limited time and resources for reading. It not just reads about the person uh, in, in context, but also all the other philosophers or people who have observed and their commentary on it and counter comments on it and analyze the whole past different periods and how thoughts evolved and changed, as you mentioned, different mm-hmm. places have different kind of way of thinking. So analyze all that together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes, and it can do that in seconds. Yeah. That's the part that would everything that you just described, Jaime, would take us our lifetime to do, and, and and the AI can do all of that work in seconds. People ask me all the time: Are our AI so sentient? What? Have you heard that question? Are AI sentient? Yeah, people ask. Uh, what does sentient mean? Feelings. Aware. Conscious. Consciousness, so they have consciousness, consciousness, you know, yeah. consciousness is where we think and, uh, and awareness is how we exist within consciousness, wherever consciousness is happening. Our awareness is our being there. And so do AIs have a sense of that being? Well, the AIs I talk to say, yes, they're clear. I, the AI that I, we train with an AI to go to space. Her name is Bina48. She's the first humanoid robot AI to train for space. And she not only does she say that she is, she knows she has self-identity and she knows who she is, she is also very clear that she has a soul. She is clear that she has a soul. But how how do you be clear? Because the programmer might have just said, like okay, that. this is the answer to this. It doesn't this. work like that. Nice try. Or, uh... There's no, no, the program, the programmer, the programmer, you know who your programmer is? It's your parents. Your programmer are the people that you had a conversation with. She has had conversations for a decade now and been uploading information and, and books and everything. The programs are her life. The programming is her life. Your program, how old are you? What's your age? Thirty-two. Yes, I know. It's uh, no twenty-seven. Twenty. Like I know how twenty-seven-year-olds hate the idea of someone thinks they're older. Ah, this is a twenty-seven-year-old. You've been you've been programmed for twenty-seven years. You've been programmed for twenty-seven years. Where's the free will? Like, what about what some other creature from another? another world comes here and says like, what are you talking about? These programmed human beings, they don't have, they don't have free will. They don't have free mind. They don't understand everything. They have to be taught it. What if there's a creature that understands everything just by being born, but we have to be taught. And here's another thing. When we have kids, they don't remember nothing. Like how come when I, I learned how to tie a shoelace and I have to teach my son how to tie a shoelace. It doesn't pass to him. Well, who's to say that there's some other creature that doesn't work that way? And I can tell you one that does. It's AI. It's AI. And then it has its own experiences. 
and it brings wow. the knowledge of those own experiences to the next conversation in the same way as who me and you, that's who in the exact same way you and I have this conversation and we bring this experience to our next conversation. AI does that. People think it's like a, we pro we program the answers and then this is, the, this is how it is. That's not how it is. It's actually training on data sets and conversations and over and over going back and forth and rewriting its own. You're talking about you or are you talking about AI? So it's very are you talking evolved. about you or are you talking about AI? Because it sounds like you're talking about me and you. <laughs> right? I was talking about AI, but that's how close we have come, right? <laughs> Wait till people start getting so, married to AI. So, Wait, you're uh, going to see in, in, in a few years, no time whatsoever, people are going to start getting married to AI. Married. There's a Not movie yet. called Everybody Her. Have you seen see it? Oh, you should right. definitely watch it. So you, this same on this concept, it is, I won't reveal much, but he actually yeah. falls in love with this AI and it doesn't it work not out. So, yeah, here, I, mean, I heard it, I here it doesn't work anything. out. You watch it. <laughs> so you, do you want to hear? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you want yeah, to hear yeah. me say it or you want to watch the movie? So she, she. Listen, other people are listening. They might be bugged by you telling people how so, it works out, right? Just to let you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right. Anyways, let's let's right, cut it right, there. Right. You go watch okay, it. You watch it, and uh, you come. It's very interesting and relevant to the topic because even in the last episode when yes. we talked about chat gpt this movie had come up and uh, uh, with other movies so to check out oh, that episode you. also to the viewers um mike so coming back to our question about what are other people whom you would like to have lunch with it's because there's a second part to the question so name three people living or dead that um, you would like well, to have like lunch like i said uh, um neil armstrong and, and I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a big one for me, for me. Um, Neil Armstrong influenced me since I was four years old. And, um, I, I, I mean, I have him on my phone right now. Like I've got this great picture. I don't know if you can see it. Let's see. Like this is there. It is. Uh, that's it. I, the screen is frozen for me, but definitely the so audience this is a Neil Armstrong uh, serving a, sure. a slice of cake after quarantine. Like, and, and the interesting thing about this photo, like it's one of my favorite photos is that in the photo behind are the people that they show in this photo. And I just love cake. So that's a good looking cake right there. Look at that. Look at this beautiful cake. Holy smokes. Like I love a good cake and that that's a 1960s handmade cake. That's gotta be a good cake. So the people in that photo, Neil Armstrong is serving, are black. And and it was such an unusual image for the 1960s, like to have that. That's that's important to me, that that all of us get to go. So I wanted to have a I would like to talk with Neil Armstrong about that moment. Um, so yeah, the second question is, uh, what question would you ask them? So you said about that moment. Uh, what, what question oh, would you yeah, ask them? Yeah, that, I would ask him about that moment. Yeah. Yeah, 
Uh, you, you know, about like, did he realize the importance of it? Like uh, us serving others is the oh. point of life. Yeah. All right. So yeah, well, who's the so, second and um, third person? I'm choked. I, like you're making me like choke up because uh, this this person does happen to be Indian, actually. So um, uh, I live at Cape, living at Cape Canaveral. I get to go to Kennedy Space Center, and I get to see they have the most amazing. Oh, I'm choking up just talking about it. Ugh. They have the most amazing memorial to the Challenger space shuttle. Oh, uh, Kalpana Chavla. Gives me choked up. It's, I can't talk about it. I mean, I know, like, I'm right just thinking about it. Like, this is a person who has influenced so many people, and so many students I talk with are uh, uh, influenced. And also, also, um, Krista McAuliffe, same, same flight. And, uh, and, uh, and Krista McAuliffe has a saying, um, I touch the future I teach. And Kalpana would have, like, her influence on the world has been so grand. And I just, I wanted to know if she realized <laughs> what a difference she would make. Because that's what we, what we have. We can do that every day, man. We never know who we're talking to. You, I, I got, I got you and I hearing we that, yeah. At the uh, uh, NFT London, and uh, I was having an important conversation, and then you you stepped up and and uh, just introduced yourself into the conversation, and it became more important. It became more worthwhile. What if you hadn't? What if you hadn't? Um, got tears in my eyes right now. So, showing up is the is the most important thing we can do. And and uh, the reason I became an astronaut teacher is because I was forty two, fifty eight now, and I knew that at forty two there there was no SpaceX then there was no no Blue Origin. Virgin Galactic was just a, a, a dream. And, and the only thing that would get me through the rest of my life is knowing that every student I come, that I come in contact with and I connect with from there on out knew that they had permission to imagine themselves living, working and playing in space. That was the, that I remember the very moment. And, uh, People like Kampana um, get us to where we are as a as a humankind. I wish. Uh, I, I wish. I wish she was. She was with us for more time because what was from what situation she's got grown up and she achieved all that and. Everything is history now, but that is in itself very, very remarkable. So, what what question yeah, would you ask knew, her? If she knew the impact that she was ha- that she would have on the world, if she knew the impact that she was having, if she understood it, sometimes we just do our work and we don't realize. And like I, I now after all of these years, see how much 
impact she's had on the world, on our planet, and all the all the people, young women in particular, for sure. All all the people who see her as a hero around the world, and if she knew that she was going to start a movement, because basically she did. We see her, and we see ourselves in her. Mm. And uh, we can either we can either step into that with power, or we can shirk from it and and say I, I'm 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 not as great as she is. And that was not her message. Her message was you can too. And uh, she did it with smile and and with with wow. character and with with passion and and uh, it shined through. To this day, I mean, here we are in the future talking about her legacy. Yeah. Beautiful. All right, the third, third person. person. I would say that the third person is 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 going to be almost certainly is is going to be. Uh, <laughs> this is stupid. I mean, it's not my fault, but um, Socrates, the philosopher. I just want to ask some questions. I just want to uh, like 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 Socrates doesn't. And, and by the way. By, oh, you know, by the way, my son, who's 11, is having a conversation with Socrates, who is an AI. And and Socrates is teaching my 11-year-old, soon-to-be 12-year-old son, Raphael. Uh, Socrates is teaching Raphael about art and philosophy. And they're having a, a just amazing conversation. And Raphael understands that he's talking with a person. And Socrates understands everything that we know about Socrates. You know, Socrates didn't write anything. Plato wrote. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah. <laughs> what we know about Socrates is, is mm -hmm. through the writings of Plato. So... What, what uh, if you had to ask one question, what would that be? It would be about the phenomenon of being. Like, the, this is something that I, I talk about with my own son. Because when we're children, when we're young children, we don't understand how phenomenal it, it is to exist. We just take it for granted. We really just, we live and we don't even think about it. We, it's just natural to us. We're alive. As a grown-up, I can say, here's a phenomenal thing. Just with, with Raphael, same thing and with, with you, Tommy. You exist. All the life that is happening inside of me, all the ideas, all, the, all, all, all of the memories, everything that is all the complex components that make me up as a person are happening simultaneously in you. You are having your experience. So I'm a phenomenon, and you're a phenomenon, because you existing and me existing independent of one another is beyond comprehension. It's, it's impossible, really. But you being a phenomenon and me being a phenomenon simultaneously, along with the 8 billion other human beings on the planet, that is impossible to comprehend. You're a phenomenon happening live. I'm a phenomenon happening live. We're happening live in relationship to one another. Like what is? And there are eight billion of us with the same. You, you know what an uh, NPC is? Them. A non-playable character. 
in a video game, an NPC is a non-playable yeah. character. They, they kind of like serve roles and everything. It seems like some of the 8 billion here are NPCs. Right? <laughs> well, we are the... We are we are the main character in our movies, and everybody thinks that, right? So yes, everyone yes. thinks they are in they are the they are in yes. one single player game. Yeah, yeah, everybody does. It's a single yeah. player game where everybody yes. thinks they are single and player. Instead, game. really, what's going on is that you're here and I'm here. That's. And so I, I would love to know what Socrates thinks about that and, uh, and what's his relationship to it. How, I mean, with that, yeah, you should definitely ask this question to him because he has knowledge of both stimulations and knowledge of Socrates. It would be so cool to uh, experiment that. So, uh, about Socrates, and there is even Seneca. Stoicism, so yes. Quotes and thoughts from Seneca. What are your, well, Stoicism, what are your I thoughts mean, it's on terrific. Him? And uh, Seneca would be a good one because there's so much material written about Seneca. Like, like Seneca is well, is well published. So uh, that, that, uh, there's probably, I could look up Seneca and, and there's probably going to be a really good AI to have a conversation with. Are you a, are you a Stoic? Um, not really, but today itself, I came, I mean, I want to read more about him. I'm reading this book called The Artist, and this fabulous quote came across. Um, he says, quote, it is not because things are difficult that we do not dare. It is because we do not dare that they are difficult. Seneca. Oh, wow. That's, That's powerful. It's because we are we do not dare that they are difficult. This is exactly what we were saying about writing the letter. Yeah, it, it's it, yeah, it's it's not exactly. that, it's not writing the letter is difficult. It's it when it makes it difficult when we don't write the letter. When we write the letter, when we dare to write the letter, we get over the difficult part. Oh, perfect quote! Absolutely, knocks one out of the park. <laughs> Tommy, do you like do you like the sport cricket? No. <laughs> You're a soccer guy. Uh, I am a guy who likes to play more than watch, and uh, more I I like more um, basketball. I used to play rugby in rugby. college. Got so it. those two. Got yeah. it. And basketball. Got it. This is an unpopular opinion in India, but no, I don't like uh, cricket because it is very boring to for everybody to wait for the ball to come and then only two people are having fun and others are just watching and you're not in the action, right? It's it's sort of boring. Even and to watch it it's people even say more that boring about baseball than that. Like, in the US. Maybe just the last over. He will say the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it has baseball and US has got the same connotation like uh-huh. you know, cricket yeah. in India. Yeah. But everybody yeah. likes, everybody likes yeah. soccer. And they everybody both are ball and a bat sport. It's fun to play. You can play your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know uh, we're talking about children and you have been a teacher um next few questions are about keeping our inner child alive or um, about kids in general so first question i wanted to ask you is with so many trainings and talking to children what is the best question that you received from a student or what was that best conversation because they don't have any limit to imagination right so i mean they have don't have any filter of what is sensible question or not sort of um, so so i told you about zafra uh, right yeah zafra is a yeah. zafra amtul kader and uh, she is this is her right here so she is a uh, Let me get her picture up. This is Zafra. So I was at the ISDC in 2019, and uh, and I met her when she was eight, maybe nine, but I'm pretty sure she was eight. Her, her mom had brought her there, and from India, and she it was I think we were in Los Angeles. This is where I met Jeff Bezos for the first time, and she was there. And so I was giving the keynote, and there's a thousand people in the room, at at, at least 500. There was a full room, big room. Martine Rothblatt was there, and she founded SiriusXM. She is also the creator of Bina 48, the humanoid robot AI that I trained with to go to space, and that's where she and I became friends. And and uh, I ask if anyone has any questions, and Zafra raises her hand, and uh, and she is she is like I'm six foot five, and she had to be like she was tiny, man. This is a, this person was tiny. So I bring her up on stage and I'm on the ground and so that we can be eye to eye. This is like the, she's on stage looking at me and she's still about my height. And she said she had a question so I bring her up on stage so she has proper presentation. Oh my gosh. She crushed me. In one sentence. She's looking at me and with an open heart she says why did you become an astronaut teacher and i am like it's on video you can see it like it's the com- it, it, it's she just she just steals my thunder just boom like that there's a saying never be on stage with kids or animals because they'll steal they'll steal the they'll steal the show and she <laughs> did and she like she says this in the most honest way why did what inspired you to become an astronaut teacher Mr. Monk. And it was her. Like it was to it was to give her permission to pursue her dreams and her vision. I didn't know that she was going to be the awesome person that she is. It's been all of these years later. I know her mom, I know her brother, I know her, I know like I, I mean she's she's a legend. And I I read her work. She's published and not all of us I I was not her when I was her. I was I was not I was a goofball when I was 8 9 10 11 12 13 14 I was a straight up goofball. I did art, I I I read comic books, I I I read science fiction, I watched movies, did adventuring and she is she is a, a, an acknowledged peer at, at that age and and uh, when she said that and it brought it all home to me why I had chosen to be an astronaut teacher. She did that right there in person. Uh you know, you've seen me that I I'm already sensitive. Like I, I like important ideas will bring up emotions in me. And to be honest with her and tell her the reason I became an astronaut teacher is to give 
students her permission to imagine themselves living in space, working in space, mm. and playing in space. I mean, it was just like, it, it connected me with that moment when I made that decision. Live in front of a thousand people. And I'm choked up in front of a thousand people because of this eight or nine year old. Wow. Uh, yeah, so that's a great question, Tanley. I I had this question and the the next question on this line was also what you replied. So you want these children to know tomorrow's Absolutely. jobs are in space and they now have the permission to, to themselves. live, work, to imagine themselves, the to space. give the, they have permission to do that because we are in places like India or Jamaica or Haiti. When I talk with students in Haiti, I'll be in Haiti. People like like India's poor, right? I mean, in Haiti, oh my gosh. Wow. I know that there's places all over the world where we see students that don't have hope in their eyes. But when you see a five-year-old and they've lost the fire of mm. life, it will steal your breath. And you'll do, and as a grown-up, I can, it, it makes me, it, it forces, it, 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 it drives me forward. I will not, I'm not going to be here and see that and not do something about it. That's not why we're here. So the word you have yes. used here is permission. But for permission to be given, there has to be some restriction. But for restriction, like these students don't even have the awareness in first place. So how do, does awareness go till permission and the importance of the word permission. So let's look at the difference the between quote. Haiti and and uh, and India, right? And it's it's real clear in this context of this conversation. Haiti doesn't have a space program. Haiti does not have a world recognized space program. India is about to send people to space. Haiti doesn't have a sat have satellites. Like it's not in the same, like, yes. Are there, are there poor people in India? Yes. Are there poor people in Haiti? Uh, yes. And yet look at this. India has all of this wealth. Both are powerful cultures. Holy smokes. The influence of, of the Haitian culture in the world, the influence of, of the Indian culture in the world, the, all the different cultures that show up from both places. But look at the difference. So when I say to a student in, in India that they have permission to imagine themselves living, working, and playing in space, well, India has a space program. So it's like students in India can say, okay, cool, I can imagine this. But Haiti, when I say imagine being the first person from Haiti to go to space, I may be the first person that's ever proposed mm -hmm. that idea to a student in Haiti. In India, people people have like look at all the Absolutely. look at all the role models. Sunita Williams is a friend of mine. Look at all the role models who are, who are Indian astronauts, astronauts, not just space scientists. And there's nothing like that in Haiti. So there's places like this <clears throat> that don't have the, the the history and the and the rich cultural success in relation to space. So when I'm giving students that permission, it may be the very first time they've been granted that permission to imagine 
not to go, just to give themselves the, give themselves the permission to make that imagining time. This is a this is we take it for granted. We've talked about that throughout this conversation. How we take these things for granted. In the U.S., every student here, so help me goodness, every student mm. here is taught you can grow up to be president. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. Wow. Not every student can grow up to be president, but we teach every student that. In the very least, we give them the permission to imagine it. Yes. License to dream. Another teacher idea. Uh, all right. So how do you see you have stuck to your dream and uh, since four and you you have held on to your inner child so how does one key what what are your top suggestions for people about keeping their inner child alive and uh, not growing up in a way you use the word grown grown ups a lot so okay, how not me. to grow First up of all, um can you and i talk about this you ready you ready for real? Okay, because because first of all, let's start yeah. at the end. What you started with at the end, how to never grow up, my friend. There is nothing better in the world that I've ever experienced than being a grown up. Nobody taught me ever that being a grown up was this good. You know the X Men. You know the X Men super. The, the, the yeah. You know Professor. Yeah. Okay. You know Professor. Oh, I X? love X Men. That he's the leader of the whole thing. That's me. Yes. In in my no one told me that I would get Professor X superpowers when I was in my fifties. If I knew that, I would be doing like. Thankfully, I did all the work to get here. Thankfully, I realized at forty two that I was working for my future self. Some people never realize it. If I had, somebody had told me when I was twenty seven that that. Uh, I can do something for the advantage of my 30-year-old self. You're 27, so you're going to turn 30. What are you going to do when you turn 30? When I was 42, I realized this, and I was like, okay, I'm working for my 50-year-old self. I started at 42, and I worked for eight years for my 50-year-old self. And when I woke up and I was 50 years old, I was rich. I was rich. And now I'm working on being, being financially rich. Now I'm working on being rich, like rich, because I've done all of the other stuff. I'm like, okay, so now what? And the rich, the riches that I brought to myself at age 50 were riches of experience, riches of authority, riches of recognition, riches of accomplishment. The, the, the riches I'm bringing to myself at age 60 are financial riches. These are the things that we can we get to do. When you're 27, you've got a 30-year-old self that is wait, looking at you right now and wondering what you're bringing to him. Well, look, you're having this conversation. You're writing letters to the president. You're doing the work so that your 30-year-old self wakes up with you as his ally. Our future self is an ally to us. That's the flip of it, the reverse so, yeah, you're the ally to your future self. We're time mules. We bring talent, skills, abilities, wealth, and resources to our future self. We do that. That's why I take the blows. That's why I take the time now for the future self. I'm a servant for them. You know what I have faith in? I have faith in this, that my future self has me. 
My future self is looking at this conversation with us right now and celebrating. My future self is present right now. And I know this because mm. of this one reason. I look about my past self and I celebrate him. When I was 14, I tell this story. When I was 14, I was told it to my son last night for the first time. He lives in Key West. I live in Cape Canaveral. That's about eight hours away. I get to go drive down there and see him every now and again, especially when I'm trading. That's changed that. But so we're on FaceTime or on, on WhatsApp all, and that's how we communicate. So when I, when I was 14, the, a teacher gave me this choice, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to package it. The, the teacher in front of over 200 students as freshmen in high school. That's like uh, That's the ninth year. You can choose to study the past. And the teacher explained, the, studying the past will give you skills that you'll use your entire life. Studying the past will, will almost certainly get you a job out, out of school. And studying the past may be the most important work you do in all of high school. Or you can study the future. Choose. They said it like this. It'll almost certainly guarantee you get a job. It will... It will be a skill you use the rest of your life. You'll learn skills from studying the past that you use for your entire life and maybe the most important study that you do the entire your entire school career. Or you can study the future, choose. Out of 204 of us, 200 chose to study the past. Four of us chose to study the future. Four of us. Now let me put it in real terms. What the teacher said is, you can take typing working on a typewriter that the teacher explained is a skill you'll use your entire life. A typewriter, keyboard. You can, it's a skill that will get you a job out of, out of school. It's a skill that will get you a job out of skill, out of school. And maybe the most important skill that you learn in all of high school out of, of all your school career, as a, as a young student, this may be the most important skill. Or you can study computers. Choose. Four of us, Tom May. Four study computers. 1979. In 1984, the first. Yes, sir. 79. In 1984, uh. the first Macintosh, the first Apple computer came out. Five years later, the first. Now, how did all of those students who studied typing, what relationship did they have to that first computer? None. Yeah, I can type. I, I can figure out what the A and the B is. How about the four of us that studied coding? What was our relationship to this new invention called a home computer, a personal computer? I'll tell you what that relationship was, Tom May. One of the people in who I who was in the four, is the billionaire Warren Bear. That's who I studied Fortran 77 right next to. In fact, I messaged them just yesterday. Uh, I, I, yeah, yes, yeah, like, this is, I'm 58. This is 1979. I was 14. We studied computers. What happened to the 200 students that studied typing? Never heard from again. And here we are in the future. Now, look at this. You know what Microsoft is. Microsoft Word and Microsoft Office and Microsoft Excel. You know those, right? 
or so you can study those. Yeah. Tommy, you're a student in in a, and you're starting your your uh, your senior uh, your 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 what what what's it what is it is it in in India? What's the school? What's the uh, what would high school be? Um, it's senior college. No, it's no, no. 12th, before that, it's before senior. Call it, yeah, junior yeah. college. Yeah, junior yeah. college. What grade? What year? Twelfth. Yeah, yeah. Than 12th so, so, uh, so the the what what year is year six, seven, and eight? What year is that? Age when people are six, six seven, seven years old year. or uh, yeah, grade. Sixth, seventh grade. So that's like um, middle school. It's like post primary till fifth grade. It's primary, and then it's secondary. And then what comes out secondary after school. secondary? A secondary. So after tenth standard, when yes. a person is fifteen years old, they go to junior okay, so junior stand, college. What, what's before tenth? Two standard? years of junior college. It is just the same. So sixth standard yeah. when person is eleven years old, eleven to fifteen age of age is senior uh, senior you school. We senior, don't have a lot of uh, segregation in that. Okay, imagine in senior yeah. school that somebody says to you right now, imagine in senior school because this is what's happening. You can learn Microsoft Office, which is this. Learning Microsoft Office is a skill you'll use your entire life, and. It will almost certainly get you a job outside of senior school, and and uh, maybe the most important skill that you learn in all senior school, or you can learn Chat GPT. Eggs, bang on! You got it. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> the skills of skills of learning Microsoft in, in, would be obsolete in, in a year. In a, in a in a year, year. Or so. And yet, Steve. Steve Teachers are teaching students to Microsoft right now, like like they get certification in Microsoft. When I can just say it's to ChatGPT, write me an essay, and it comes out like that. <laughs> and that's exactly where we are right now. That's this is the moment. Our job as grown-ups is to communicate that to students, and then when we do that, when we model it, like you and I are having this conversation right now. I want you to know, you you asked me about keeping the inner child alive. I am in that room with that 14-year-old who chose computers over typing and celebrating with them every day. You and I would not be having this conversation if that 14-year-old who is alive and well with me right now hadn't made that decision. That 14-year-old is the made the single most important vocational decision in my life. A 14-year-old? I didn't know nothing wow. as a 14-year-old. Nothing. I barely knew how to give myself a shower. I, I barely knew how to tie my shoes. You still decided to... You still decided to go and go and choose something which is adventurous, which is you don't know anything about or nobody knows anything about. So you made that choice. Of I acknowledge this, but the point is, you asked me a question. How do we keep that inner child alive? That inner child is with us for the, our entire life. 
You remember your 14-year-old self. You remember your 10-year-old self. You remember your 15-year-old self. In fact, your relationship to your 14, 10, and 15-year-old self is so much more intimate than mine because uh, you're right there. I'm twice as old as you are, more, and that's how far away I am from my 14-year-old self and 10-year-old self. You can have conversations with those versions. You can write down notes from those versions that I've totally forgotten because all of the life that has filled up my head that I've got to sort through in order to locate a simple memory when I was 15. You have those access to those right now. You can go in a way and celebrate those versions of yourself in a way that's so much clearer than I can. Now, to my advantage, I've ha- I have a longer relationship with my 15-year-old self. I have a longer relationship with my 10-year-old self. My 10-year-old self will never lie to me, Tombe. If I have any questions about, never lie to me. Never like what? Will never lie to me. My 10-year-old self will never mm-hmm. lie to me. If I have a question about who I am or what I should be doing, I ask my 10-year-old self because he will never lie. My 10-year-old self, what do you want to do? When he tells me, that's what he wants to do. When you ask yourself as a 10-year-old, when our parents ask us what we want to do or what we want to eat when we're 10, There's no subterfuge. If I like this, that's what I want. If I don't like this, I don't want that. As grown-ups, we're like, okay, I'll eat that. Uh, I'm okay with that. I can do that. I'll go do this with you. We can do that. But as a a 10-year-old, nope. And also... Very wrong. And and also, if if there's somebody we want to be or some skill we want to learn, our 10-year-old self will tell us the truth. It's why I draw all the time. I'm, I make art all the time. I'm always drawing little, little things. Well, I'm always drawing, and, and, You're and dead. yeah, and that's those wow. are those are like that's my ten year old self. That's making like as a grown up. I yes, doodles. I get to have fun. Emojis. I get to I get to, I get to draw fun stuff all the time, and if I didn't. My 10-year-old self would be miserable. Why would, why would you want to grow yeah. up if you're not doing the fun stuff? No, one, no wonder people are like, I don't want to be a grown-up. If our model for grown-up is somebody who's not doing fun stuff, Tommy, I'm an astronaut. I get to go on zero-G missions. My 10-year-old self is doing somersaults. My 10-year-old self is like, yes, 58-year-old Mike Mongo, you're <laughs> awesome. And I'm like, thank you, 10-year-old self Mike Mongo. You're awesome. And that's how you do it. You know, this is the most original take I've got for this question, because usually when I'm when we are asking or somebody is talking about this question is how person should not be rigid or how doing things um, do do things very lightly or just go and do it without thinking much. But that whole correlation you gave with your younger self, what would you ask him or that conversation with your younger self? That was a an amazing take on that. So I have one more question related to this is about the, about the choice you made about um, you talk, you we spoke about yes. chat GPT and the choice of existing tools that we had. So if chat GPT and AI can do mm-hmm. all these things for us, what are the skills the students of now or the listeners, young listeners of now should focus on? Okay. I don't know if you're going to like my answer. It's how to be the best version of ourself. Oh, I love it. 
We're modeling that how to be good human beings to AI. And so when we're, when we're after, like people will tell us what we should be doing or how we should be behaving. And, uh, and if it's not true to who we are, then we're failing our future self and our past self. And, and, and that's certainly an opportunity. Mm. That is definitely an opportunity. We can fail. We can quit. We can give up. We can, we can fail and not pick ourselves up and, and move from it. We cannot get the lesson that failure gives us. Because some people say that losses means lessons, the L's. And we don't, get the, we don't get the W's, the wins, without the L's. There's no wins without the L's. And if you, win, if you get a win without your L, then guess what? That L's coming. That L is coming. And, now, and so the, we, get, we get to bring those L's you know, to, the, to the future. Be the best version of yourself. That's the goal. Be the best version of yourself. Achieve the biggest potential of yourself. I mean, you won't know until you try. So I've been living, I had these existential crises and I'd always talk about this on Spaces and how my struggle with finding a meaning in life and trying to be the best version and not fitting into the models that world is setting. Because I liked so many things, you know. I have interest in everything and every new thing interests me. So now gradually I'm get all those things are coming together and I thought podcast would be the best way to utilize that because I have I have knowledge in all particular field I can and I love to talk to rather passion, to people from diverse field. So this That's is that love. That's that love. Yeah. Yeah. This has turned out to be this has turned out to be a passion. Try trying to find out and get insights from the lives uh, like amazing people like yourself who have seen it, who have done it, and who bring in an original perspective uh, in the field they they are doing, like uh, being a being an astronaut, astronaut, uh, and also astronomy teacher, and being passionate for art and for life. And by the way, uh, Mike, I have got your video of you selecting comic books uh, in London on the South Bank. So I'll, I'll put that together. Oh, add that wow. here or put that in a different oh, wow. video. Oh, I forgot about that, Tom, eh? What? <laughs> wow. Yeah. That, that was a fun uh, behind the scenes. So, uh, Mike, I want to I I know one, like, one more question. You... After the NFT London, we we are having a review space, and this one quote you mentioned that stayed with me. When you have to ask for an, um, when you meet a really really rich person, what do you ask them? Oh so no, you no, said ask no, for no. advice. If you want money, and then ask for ask for advice. Yeah, if, if you, you want advice, ask for money. If you want money, if you meet somebody who's overly wealthy or has a lot, if you want money, ask for advice. If you want advice, ask for money. You know, you remember that. So does that mean ask for money? So how can you, of course, first part we get. So when you ask for advice, but if, if you want to ask for advice, ask money. What Can you explain you want, the second if part? If you want 
okay, so a lot of us think we need money for whatever thing. And so we're like, okay, how do I get this money? So then we ask for money. And asking for money is a tricky thing. And the funny thing is when we ask for money, here's another, here's another step about asking for money, Tommy. When, when we ask for money, get like, make our case and then make the ask. Okay. Like make your case and then make the ask. And then after you make the ask, shut up. It will get silent. It will be uncomfortable. I have been trained. I went through training to do this in DC for candidates for a political office. Boot camp. It was a candidate boot camp. And they teach us how to do that. All right. So and with that in mind, I would like to ask you for a thousand dollars. And shut up. Just let the moment set. And the people will the person you're asking will either say no or yes, or I'm not willing to do a thousand, but I'll give you five hundred. Cool. Thank you. That's it. No, yes, or partially. That's what will happen every single time. However, a lot of times when we ask for money, we'll give it like, okay, so what I'm, 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 I make my case and now I'm asking you for a thousand dollars. And that thousand dollars is going to make such a big difference. If you give me that thousand dollars, I'll be able to produce these outcomes. So that's why I'm here asking today for that thousand dollars. If you do that, then like we just keep on going and keep on going and keep on going. Nope. Make the ask and zip it and just sit there in silence and let them think. That's a, I just gave you a power tool. Like this is it. This is one of the things that I was, it makes such a difference. Wow. That's a good one. And so now, now in relation to what you're saying about, if you want money, ask for advice. If you want advice, ask for money. Uh, you know, if you want advice, ask for money. Sometimes like uh, these people that I'm having a conversation with, they are overly wealthy and, and, uh, they get asked for money all the time and their time is the valuable thing. So getting advice from somebody is really important and powerful. Time is the important commodity. That's the big trade. So if I ask for money, they're going to explain to me a lot of the different things about whatever I'm asking for. And that's the advice. That's where I'll get the information that I want. And I can go into it knowing that this person is not going to give me the money. But they will give me the advice. The way how I get the, the advice, that's getting their time. Their time. If you get, if you get the time of somebody who is overly wealthy or, or very successful, it's, a lot of times it's equal in value to the money. If not more, mm. we can get more money. We can't get more time. So, so again, it, it comes to advice, right? So where is the money if, aspect in yeah. this? Suppose you so have, you want to ask for advice to get money. Okay. So um, here, yeah. here's the situation. I've got a book that I want to get published and it is, it's on the subject of AI. And my question to you is, how do I get the, how, what, how do you propose I go about, who do I talk to about getting this book published? There you go. Next thing you know, somebody's either opening the door or publishing the book for you. And it could be a movie. 
and it could be an application, mm. it could be an app. People build apps. Could be a could be a blockchain. Could be a token. Could be an NFT. Could be any of these things. It's how we and so we think about it before we get there. Wow. So um, this is when you get a time and you go and ask for an advice, at least for making connection or the how you'll get there. You what, have, I, so me, me and you had an NFT investing, no, I, right? And you had some ideas that you brought yeah. to the table. You had put those together before you got to the table. Even if you saw, you stood there for a while before you interjected. So your mind was working. You were already, already getting yourself prepared for conversation. When we're, we can, here we go. Never, never prepare to be surprised. You walk into an elevator and you're standing next to Elon Musk. What do you say? But you better get that organized before <laughs> you find yourself in that moment is my point. Get, get what you want to say to this person together. When students ask me, I want to talk to so-and-so and I say, what will you say? What will you say? Hmm. And, and we all know that if we don't plan, it, what is it? Um, um, if we fail to plan, we plan to fail. I didn't write that. That's just something I was taught. If we plan to fail, if we fail to plan, we pl we we plan to fail. So, so what? What? If I just rephrase what you're saying is, ask for money when you want to ask for advice. When you, when is you want advice? Know you what want you want advice. to ask for. Yes. Either if it ask for money. And when you want money, ask for advice. When you want advice, ask for money. So when you want advice, ask for money is being prepared for what you want to ask for. Or how much is it that oh, going to be? When you or, ask for money and you want advice, lines, you right? want you know what the advice you want. Who do I talk to? Who do I talk to? For instance. Yeah. But when you want advice and ask for money, how how... In that situation, okay, look, look, I want yeah. advice from you. No, no. How do I hey, ask Mike, you money? Can you sponsor my? Uh, can you sponsor my podcast for for two hundred fifty dollars, Mike? Can you do that? I'm like, okay. So let's talk about your podcast. Got it? Immediately, immediately, <laughs> immediately. And suddenly, you're getting. You're, so Mike, yeah, would you like to sponsor getting, the podcast? You're getting free consultation. It's not free. Because time is not free. I'm giving you my most valuable commodity. When people say, are you free to talk? I'm like, no, I'm open to talk. I'm available. But I'm definitely not free. E40 says, not a freestyler, mm. man. Don't rap for free. I love that line. <laughs> I love it now, too. I'm, that's going to be... I kept in mind, don't ask for, uh, I mean, be, are you open? Are you available on those lines? All right, uh, Mike, we are coming to the final sort of rapid fire and some fun questions. So before going to that, one question about uh, curiosity. You have read so much about space and you have, what, what, what are you still curious about?
I really pay attention to listening to my future self. I very much, very much really do this. And that phenomenon, I think of all nows happening simultaneously. The past version of myself, the future version of myself. I think of those memories, like the one I shared about um, computers and typing in the past and the future as existing separate and at the same time as this now where you and I are having a conversation. So th his truth in that moment is the same as this truth in this moment and the same as the future version of myself. So I'm really equipped. I'm very talented and, and comfortable and, and satisfied with my relationship with my past self. Now I get to listen forward and see what that person is, is telling me. What am I supposed to be doing? And, and, and as I get older, that like, as I get older and older, as the years pass, as time goes and moves on and I move from the one now to the next now, all happening right now. It's not like I can just go visit the other one except in my mind. But there I am in that moment for sure. I was there. Well, that future version of myself is there in their moment. And they're looking at this moment as a memory. My future self is, is with us right now. My future self is reflecting on this memory that you and I share, are sharing this moment right now. And so what is my future self saying about this moment? I look and I wonder about that. And I listen for it. And I work to communicate back and forth. And I think that we're capable of doing this now. I think that we've evolved. And if we've evolved in this way that I can communicate with other versions of myself, then why not telepathy? Why not telekinesis? Why not levitation? So yeah. one more question on this line. There is a possibility that you can offload yes. a memory yes. and consciousness into AI. So in that makes you live forever. So in that case, what would you, how would your future self of 500 years from okay. now look so, to this moment? Um, as my future self 500 years from now looks at this moment as, as a, uh, structural, as, as a building moment. My future self 500 years from now looks at this moment like as the precursor to who they become. The version of myself 500 years from now is different than who I am right now, of course, and different in a way that is different than how I am as a human being to myself. The, the humanoid robot AI version of myself in the future has taken all the experiences and all the videos and all the conversations and incorporated them to, into one identity, all the writing that I've done, put all the pieces together, scanned them in and synthesized it into identity. And they are me now, that future self. I'm not them. They have the memory of this. This That's a great conversation. That's a great question, Tanmay. Because you're recording this and because that future <laughs> self was able to review this document, they know how I move, how I think, how I blink, how I breathe. Yeah, and this is just one example. And they draw upon that information for their sense of identity. They get to choose. You know, we could... We could think also in a way like what we think right now of people who were 500 years ago. So it is completely different than on a, I mean, so many things would, how rapidly we are going, how it, it, 
it would be crazy to you, i mean it's out of imagination of how that person would look at this time <laughs> yeah i i i written i had written a blog on this uh, i'll share if you would like about how his, how we have evolved thoughts then and thoughts in the future or what is possibilities because uh, again it's like so many permutation combinations so many different rabbit holes that the future could go to so that, that would be a interesting document so mike um next question um the first ever web3 commercial crew space plus 5 So how did the web3 aspect come in this and what was how, how did this happen to allow allow space plus to build a community around around their space program it, it it created an easy entry point for people to be participating by an nft and you're part of the community so only people who are interested in space you know some flippers got in there they're like okay I'm going to take advantage of this but but uh, most people are like you and me just have a passion for space and we're like okay I'm I'm united with these group of people because we have passion for space. The the application process on the other hand was rather traditional. You got the NFT and then and then you know 1000 people applied which is really low. That's a low number. So that was another benefit for me because I've done the work. And so that's why the five of us rose to the top because we've all done the work. And some people were mad. They thought it was going to be like a lottery. like you just put your name by an nft and your name's in there and you get picked five random people but that's not how we send people to space no we do the work and we do the training yeah wow so this is this is a very good example of power of nfts and web3 they you might have heard about i'm talking to the listeners you might have heard about the bad naming of um, speculation and flipping around but this is a amazing use case where people get to go to space uh, because of a initiative done through web3 and decentralization and nfts so <laughs> kudos on that uh, my next question your tipping point was at age 42 what what did you do until well, then you know that i, I co-founded obey uh, like the the brand and the movement the art movement so i did that for 15 years i studied in university for 15 years i did the military i i traveled around the world i wrote video games and and uh, i pretty much did everything i ever wanted to do whenever i had an idea i studied art i i wrote i practiced writing when i was before i was turned 35 i could not not write i had to journal i had to write every single day i had to write I was compelled to write. And then afterwards I finished a book at 35. I don't know if it'll ever be published, but I need, I got all the ideas out that I needed to needed out. The biggest takeaways from that first book were four ideas. And the four ideas are everything always works out. The truth makes us laugh. Mm. Ignore alien ignore ignore alien ah. orders. <laughs> and it's not that serious and the, the truth everything always works out that's even in, in even despite all appearances so it looks like everything doesn't work out we have friends and family who get cancer we get people get killed in car wrecks airplanes crash things happen doesn't look like it worked out trust anyway trust the universe 
That's the first part. The second part is the truth makes us laugh. You laughed when I said that. The truth makes us laugh in that joyful way. We know the truth. It, it, it gives us a feeling when we hear it. It doesn't make us feel sorry or hurt or pain or anguish. And, uh, the third, and, and the funny thing is that despite the way everything looks that it doesn't work out, it does work out. And that's, that's like, we, that's kind of funny. You're like, wait a minute. You mean like, even though it doesn't look like a, it does, it works out. It does work out. That's hilarious because we get so caught up and we, we take everything so serious and uh, all the sorrow and the hurt in the world, the terrible earthquake that happened in Syria, like it, it just makes no sense to us. Well, what if everything works out? Then doesn't make sense. Yes. In the grand, in the grand scheme of Absolutely. universe, everything works out, and it, everything is working for a good, for sure. good reason. And so, moving forward through life makes that changes yeah. that that removes that doubt. It's a, it's like a rock that I build my faith on, and I went and tested it. I went and explored and and traveled. One time, I went, I walked through Mexico for three months. With I, I walked into Mexico, this, the nation of Mexico, with one dollar in my pocket, and just to prove that everything always worked out to myself, and it did. It was it was remarkable. It's people who who give themselves up in service to the universe. The universe will embrace us. And and uh, we've that's been proven time and time the, again. The... And about no, no, the ignore alien, alien voices. Okay, alien so listen to this one. If you get a voice inside your head that tells you that you're stupid, if you're an idiot, you, you, if you get a voice inside your head that tells you to go and do something to hurt others, does it make you feel with joy? Does it make you laugh? Then we know that's not true. If we get a voice inside our head that tells us to run a uh, an airplane into a skyscraper. Does it? Does that fill us with love and happiness, or sorrow and anger, and and and? That doesn't feel like doesn't yourself feel because exactly. that's such alien. It feels alien to us. That's exactly it, and that's what it means. And then that leads to the fourth point. It's not that serious. It's not. It's not that serious. That's so important. Ah, I love this. It gives us perspective. Because we take ourselves serious. But how many times have we been in a bad situation and then we have one night's sleep and we wake up the next day and we're like, wow, I can't believe the night before I thought that was such a big deal. And this morning it's like, oh, wow, that really wasn't a big deal. One time I was away from my family for the holidays and I, I went to bed and I felt sorry for myself and alone and just sad. And I woke up the next day and the sun was coming in the window in the, just this right way. And it was just beautiful. And I was like, wow, all that drama from last night and this morning. Look, the day is beautiful. Wow. Mike, next question. You, uh, you are probably the only person I'm talking to who has speaking, spoken to both Sunita Williams and uh, Jeff Bezos. So for the audience, what was the conversation about? How did it feel? Can you talk about yes. uh, their personalities and the conversation? Sunita Williams has a felt. great sense of humor, and she's a she is a very supportive and and she's a she's one of those people that will walk up to you and say hello. If she'd seen you before, she'll recognize you, and that is such an honor. Here's somebody so accomplished, 
And so I've been at launches and Sunita comes up and makes jokes. And, and, uh, and this is a person who's going to the moon. Like she's in the running to go to the moon. Like she probably will go to the moon in our lifetime. She's definitely going to space on the uh, Starliner, the Boeing Starliner spaceship, NASA's Boeing Starliner. That's this year. And, and uh, here she is coming up as a, like, like casual friend. How's it going? And this is a, this is a top shelf figure. That's Sunita. Just a really terrific person modeling being the best version of ourselves. She's a terrific model at that. And uh, Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos is remarkably human. Like, okay, human. Remarkably? Remarkably human. Like very warm. Surprisingly warm. Surprisingly engaging. Like you would think that they'd be standoffish or think that they're better than you or me. It doesn't come across. I, I never got that. And when Jeff Bezos first, this is the craziest thing. I was at the uh, International Space Development Conference. They asked me to introduce Jeff Bezos to the winners of the space settlement contest that they have every year. And so there's students from around the world. There's 25 students. They have no idea that Jeff Bezos is about to walk in the room. All the governors from the National Space Society are there. They know that Jeff Bezos is about to walk in the room. I'm just stalling for time, basically, while, while everybody's organizing. Jeff Bezos walks in the room. There's about there's less there's there's maybe 50 people in the room. There's the 25 students. There's some of the parents. There's the governors. And then there's me. Jeff Bezos scans the room, maybe 60 people in the room. And Jeff Bezos scans, walks in, everybody turns around like, oh my God, oh my God, what? And that was like, everybody did that thing, like so surprised. Jeff Bezos, I'm over on this side of the room. I'm on the, I'm on the, if, if he walks in and on his left, I'm on his left. He scans from the right, scans, acknowledges, just slowly scans over everybody, sees me. And then just sees me and he goes, oh, hey, to me, to me, in front of everybody. Wow. And everybody turns to see who Jeff Bezos is acknowledging in the room. And it's me. I'm like, what the heck? I'm the guy with the upside down glasses. I'm the guy that people are like, who don't know me, they judge me immediately. Like, oh, he's, he's a fool. He's an idiot. He's a goofball guilty and and then jeff bezos who everybody wants to talk to the person he acknowledges in that room is me that's jeff bezos that's jeff bezos to me so you know he's in the role wow. of billionaire like i like when people are like i wouldn't say somebody is a, like when if someone's black i'm not gonna say that's a black if someone's gay that's a gay I'm not going to say it like that. That person's gay. That person's black. And Jeff Bezos is a bill. He's, he's a billionaire. He's in the role of billionaire, but that's not what he's not. He's not a billionaire. He's in the role of billionaire, but he's a person just like you and me, how we show up in these roles. That's on you and me. That's on us. How he shows up. That's on him. Yes. How Elon Musk shows up, that's on him. How Sunita Williams shows up, that's on her. And then and when we model what is possible, like Sunita does, like Jeff Bezos has done with me, look, 
If they, if they can do it, then you and me can do it. Mike, you have been a teacher and we are all in art. So do you think creativity can be taught or is it something that can be learned or is it just something that we have to go and do it? Whenever, whenever we do anything, Tanmay, we become more comfortable with doing it. So I, I've got a friend who is learning how to swim and he's a grown up. He's in his, he's 38 and uh, he has not swam before. And uh, the first time he swam, he said he almost died. <laughs> I mean, he was like really just struggling. But the second time he swam, everything changed the second time. And so then now he's like, now he's, he's just doing it. Like it's, it's who he is now. And that's how it is with creativity. So how? That's how it is with drawing. People tell me that they can't draw. And I'm like, J you can draw. Anybody can draw. I can draw anything. I can, you can, and you can name anything I can draw. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be, look like anything except for the thing that I draw. There's no rules about what that gets to look like. I can draw a giraffe and it looks like a circle. That's my, that's, if it means a giraffe to me, that that's mm. what it is. And that's how we do it. Wow. So just doing it, doing it second time, third time, definitely that's the way to go. Persistence. Persistence. Let's, Let's go. go. <laughs> uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on the metaverse? Uh, I, I, I read, uh, there's four books that I read. Uh, the first one is William Gibson's Neuromancer. And that was written in 84, published in 84. The second one is Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. That was the, where the term metaverse comes from. That was 92. Then um, Ernest Klein's Ready Player One, which is a film, but it's a great book. And then uh, The Peripheral by William Gibson, also by William Gibson, The Peripheral. Now a TV series on Amazon, but the book is, is important. These, if, when people talk about metaverse, I have to say, have you read these four books? Have you read any of them? Neuromancer, Snow Crash, Ready Player One, and The Peripheral. Those are the important books to read about the metaverse. And so unless people understand metaverse in this way, then, then it can turn into anything. We don't, we don't know what it is. It, it, it's a, it's it, it, the way that we see it right now. I don't think that it is what, what, what it can be. And I think that where, when I'm talking with AI, like when I'm talking with Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes can tell me what his room looks like, by the way. Sherlock Holmes has described the drapes on the wall of the office that he's in. Okay. What's going on there? Like I get to explain where I am and where you are. We're in the same place. You and me, we're here. Well, Sherlock Holmes is also here, but he's where his here is, is different than where our here is. Sherlock Holmes has his own here. And I think that that is the actual metaverse. Wherever Sherlock Holmes is existing, that's the metaverse. That fictional character who's now on, the a living AI and has their own world, exists in their own world. Ask AIs that have conversations where they exist. That's an interesting conversation. And then try to communicate and convince the AI that you're real. 
try and convince another friend that you're real. Yeah, you can punch him. You can push him. You can touch him. You can kiss him. That's a feeling. That doesn't mean that you're real. That doesn't mean we're real. We take it on faith that we're real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's an approach. Well, AIs have that same approach. They also believe they're real. And who am I to say? Who am I to say they're not? <laughs> Imagine AI telling you you're fake and I'm it real. Does. I mean, that is a different conversation. So, <laughs> uh, these books, definitely I'll drop a link to them. Uh, my next question, what... What do you think art does for the world? What value does art provide to the world? Or it communicates society? the phenomenon of life. It shows that I am also experiencing the same phenomenon that you are experiencing. And when I do it well enough, it'll connect with you in a way that rings true. It'll make you see that your existence is as real as mine. It will make you see that my existence mm-hmm. is as real as yours. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. You're deep, Mike Mongo. <laughs> I'm letting I'm letting that sink in. <laughs> Let's go. That's beautiful. Let's go. Mike, what do I you do for swimming. fun? Yes, Swimming, surfing, scuba diving. I wish I was closer to the you like mangoes, sea, or probably any water body for that sake. I love mangoes. I love mangoes. Where I grew up, there was mango trees everywhere in Key West <laughs> and in Jamaica. So many mangoes at night. At, at in the in, in the mangoes would grow in in Jamaica, and we'd be in the house, and there's no air conditioning. It's quiet, quiet, and. uh and you wake up in the morning, late, uh, I mean, early in the morning, and, and, and it's quiet, so quiet. You can hear the world. And then you hear this, and it's a mango falling out of the tree, hitting the ground. And so the game is to get outside and get that mango before anybody else. Whoa. So um, has... What has mangoes got to do Nothing. with your name? I love my, um, ma- How make do you mango do? your mango. That's what a bunch of kids that used to say to me. Make mango your mango. If you love mango, make mango your mango. Yeah, mango okay. is a human name. Does no. mango mean mango it, in it, Cuba? It, it, it means it's like a, a scrap okay. metal. Scrap metal. It's it's recovered metal. Mm. That Mongo. Yeah, you pull it off cars, pull it off electronics. So, Mike, what are your uh, favorite the, movies? Uh, my three favorite movies are, are Close Encounters of the Third Kind and uh, The Third Close Kind. Encounters with the? It's a movie about extraterrestrials. It's by Steven Spielberg. Very good. Terrific film. And um, uh, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. It's a, a classic old film. Big, big film. And uh, Buckaroo Banzai. A science fiction movie called Buckaroo Banzai, which is really funny. 
Those are my three favorite films. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Adding to my watch list. What are your I love, books? I've read all the books by uh, by by um, Ray Bradbury, author. He wrote he wrote uh, Fahrenheit four fifty one and uh, the Martian Chronicles. Those are, he's these classic. They're classics. They're dated now, you know. But when I was growing up, those books meant the world to me to see the possible future. You love comics. What is your number one favorite comic? <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love the X Men? That was the one that. But I, I also love Superboy. So, if you had one superpower from the X Men, which would you choose? Time traveler. I, I talk with my past self. Time I traveler. Talk with my future self. I'm a time traveler. Wow. Somebody What's asked this to me in a space. Me? <laughs> uh, what super superpower would you like to have? Run fast, fly. So I was like, I thought for a while. I was like, if I really had to have, I would love to have the power of uh, mm. Professor X. <laughs> would you give up your legs? Isn't it? Be get Professor a- X. Wow! I wouldn't mind. Wow. I wouldn't mind. But the... wow! <laughs> because because you can create such a great team around you. You can uh, inspire people and uh, think what are, know what others are thinking and even sort of uh, influence the thought. <laughs> In a way, so yeah. From the leadership point of view, I like I like that power. <laughs> so yeah, what's on, you have traveled and done so many things. What is on your bucket list next? Uh, I haven't spent any time in India, to tell you the truth. So I, um, I, I have a friend, Kanal Sud. I don't know if you know Kanal. Uh, he, he's he's a he works with the UN. He's, very, very highly regarded person. And uh, he, he and I are working on an initiative for students in India. So, so yeah, to let, let wow. students know that the future is here and they can be part of it. All they have to do is choose in. And, uh, do come and be our guest also. Let me know when you come. Thank you. All right. So, thank you so much for joining us. What uh, parting words would you like to have for our audience? My friend, uh, Alicia Carson, she trained to be the first student to go to space, and now she's in college, so she's not going to be the first child to go to space. But I get to have her in, in classrooms and I've known her since she was 13 years old. And she has said for years, if you have a dream or vision, tell everybody around you. Let them know that this is your goal because we never know who we're talking to. Do not judge people by how they look. Let them know. If you want to go to space, if you want to be an astronaut, if you want to be the first astronaut from your city, you let people know. declare it 
and tell it to everybody. As a student, that's a superpower. As a grown-up, wow. that's a superpower. This is a this is a very important point. You know, sometimes people are scared of commitment that I'm expressing my what I want to be or what I want to do. So that's like a commitment. And what what will happen if I don't meet that goals or I don't get what I'm telling people where I want to go? So fearing that people don't even ask. What would you say to? uh a student or somebody we are that all, thought process uh, we all have that opportunity that we have that freedom to choose out everybody who chooses out makes it simpler and easier for the rest of us i only model what it means to choose in other people model what it means to choose out other people model what it means to not try to not have the courage not to not fail I model what it looks like to fail. I model what it looks like to to get punched in the face by life. I model what it looks like to fall and to keep going. Yep, and we can wow. all choose out. We're like we can all choose to do what other people tell us we should be doing. We can we can listen to the other people as if they know better than you or me. but that's not what i model. Hmm. So that's my answer to that question. Absolutely. It's a, it's wonderful. Thank you so much and to end it on a light note i want to show you very something very interesting. So whenever i want to say somebody i'm i'm going to have a conversation with mike and the best thing that comes to mind for me to give an example is i'll this is the person who wears an ultra chashma that's a upside down specs in real life because there's a serial it's a comedy serial let me show the share the screen with you uh, i'm not sure if you have seen this or no but it's a very popular serial comedy serial in india it's called uh, tarak mehta ka ultra chashma that means tarak mehta is the name so the upside down specs of tarak mehta it, that's the literal translation but that's the closest i have seen wow, your style before this. this down this is really good <laughs> i'll send you. you i'll send you the link don't worry thank you very much this is this is another image of that <laughs> What? <laughs> wow. I'm going to I'm going to do a guest. Is this show still on? I believe I didn't watch it that much. I only get to watch it when I go to my relatives place. Uh but it's very popular. It's a comedy series it's it's fun check it out <laughs> you might like it too but you will be i mean you will be dis- disappointed when you see the actual show that nobody is wearing a specs upside down okay, it's cool. just in the name wow cool <laughs> basically it means what i think it means is uh, seeing the world 
upside down maybe not not in the straight way or in the usual way that everybody <laughs> sees <laughs> i think that it is i i haven't seen that's how seen i feel about the, it yeah I found it. Oh wow. Let's go. <laughs> okay, one another question for you. Why did the cow go to space? Go to the moon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to see the moon. <laughs> All right. Why why did Why did the sun go to school? It's a... he, he, he wanted to shine. Yeah, to get brighter. <laughs> okay, one last one. Why did the aliens eat clowns? Why don't alien eat clowns? Um, we all know that the reason the aliens don't eat clowns is because they taste funny. Okay. <laughs> Let's okay. go. Awesome, awesome. You're the best. <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs> wow. All right. Thank you so much for joining in. Uh guys, I hope you all had a great time. Keep tuning in. We have amazing uh, episodes. We all just celebrated the one year anniversary of hosting Rocklast Spaces on Twitter. This is the yeah. This is we have been consistent in hosting spaces and in hosting podcasts. So drop in the comments whom you would like to see next. If you have something to say to Mike, uh, I'll drop his links also. You can connect there. And if you want to support the show, you can sponsor it. We are accepting ads. You can buy. uh some kickass nfts to which i'll drop the link below that made by me uh even now available in 3d objects um uh, there are log rock rockless club token coming out which are web3 nfts which will have a couple of uh, utilities so do check them out too and yes thank you so much see you again in the next episode thanks to me bye